Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. What's up, fanboys and fangirls? We got a special episode this week. Uh, it is Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Um, so, Star Wars Day uh, originated back, actually, I had to look this up. Um, actually, it originated back in the early 80s and um, over in England as, as kind of a celebration for A New Hope. And then it kind of took off over the years from comic conventions and so forth. And now in 2011 was kind of the first official worldwide Star Wars Day, which was May the 4th. And then two years later, we got a second Star Wars holiday, which is May 5th, which is supposed to represent Revenge of the... Or it's supposed to... It's titled Revenge of the Fifth, which represents the celebration of Revenge of the Sith for the dark side. So if you are a light side fan of Star Wars, you celebrate <laughs> May the 4th. If you are a dark side character fan, then you would celebrate May 5th. This is kind of getting weird. It's kind of like, you know, um, celebrating Christmas with divorced parents. You know, you're going to have Chris get your presents on Christmas Eve with mom and then get your presents on Christmas Day with dad. So you get two holidays to celebrate it. So, um, but Mark and I are just going to recap some of our favorite memories of Star Wars and on this special day. And then we will get into our almighty love of arrow and flash and gotham and prison break and everything you know comic book related and so forth so all right mark i'm gonna start this off for you from the original movies prequels and original trilogy we're gonna leave force awakens and rogue one out of this right now maybe a little bit later down the line once those two have aged a little bit we'll have this but how do you rank your star wars films what's the first one you got to watch and then the the one that you could go without oh man okay so if so asking me now because when i was a kid i loved return of the jedi and i still do i'm watching it right now but uh, that was my favorite but really going back and i know a lot of people put empire strikes back first um I still have to put a new hope first. I, I for me it it honestly just goes in that order. It goes a new hope, uh, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, um, because I just where I think some of the storyline and whatnot is is um, stronger in Empire Strikes Back. I, I mean, a new hope just just gets it all going and. I remember first watching that as a kid, and when I when I still go back and watch it, just 
seeing the development of the character. And I remember still how like heartbreaking it was when Obi-Wan Kenobi just like, and Luke is watching him and he just kind of has his lightsaber when Darth Vader hits him and, you know, like Luke's reaction to that. And I just, you know, it was such an emotional thing. It was one of those things where I remember watching it and think, didn't think that that would happen. You know, I'm like, Obi-Wan Kenobi is this big character you know, he, he looks like he's probably going to continue to have this really large role. And then, boom, it was like he was gone. It was like, no way. I didn't see that coming. Um, so I, I think that's the order uh, that it goes in for me, um, especially looking back now. Um, the, the parts of Return of the Jedi that I was fine with as a kid that I probably could have done without now was with, um, when the Ewoks came in. Um, and you know, I mean, I get why they did it and I'm sure they wanted to sell toys and all that, but I, that's kind of the part that I guess I could really kind of do without a little bit. Um, but that would be my, my order if I had to, if I had to rank them. Okay. So for original trilogy for me, so you're just basically going in straight order, a new hope. Yep. Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and I'm I'm similar with you. Like as a kid, it was definitely Return of the Jedi, and here's the reason why: it has probably the best lightsaber battle from the original trilogy, oh, yeah. and to me, it's got the best space battle as well. Um, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because if you think about it, A New Hope has the the Death Star battle scene, but it only has the X-wing fighters going up against the Death Star, and so you don't really see like the the full uh, like assault. Aren't you know that that the rebellion has built up? Um, Empire Strikes Back. I love the Battle of Hoth, especially with the snow speeders. Um, yep, me too. But that's that's really it. There's nothing else uh, space battle wise, and then lightsaber battles wise. You know the. So as a kid, seeing the first time because I you know I was I remember as a little kid seeing like remember seeing Return of the Jedi because. I wasn't born yet with uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. I was born right. the year that Return of the Jedi came out. And so I remember, like, you know, probably like when I was four years old, so probably like 87, watching Star Wars. And I think the first film I watched was Return of the Jedi on VHS or Beta, whichever my parents had back then. I can't remember. Um, but I remember it was sometime in the, I want to say early 90s, I want to say 1991 or 92, that uh, my parents took me to Best Buy and I bought the original trilogy on VHS. It was the third release of it or something. I had a, it was a box set and I started from the beginning and the seeing the Obi-Wan versus lights or versus Vader lightsaber battle was like jaw dropping for me. But then looking back at it now as an, you know, as older, I'm like, that was pretty, pretty bad. It's kind of like two like guys on and, AARP, you know, conventions <laughs> trying to like fight each other and stuff. Well, know? especially because when you look at the costumes, I mean, obviously, you know, it was outstanding for the time. Oh, but without a doubt. Darth Vader is like barely lifting his arms when yeah. he like turns and strikes Obi Wan. It's kind of funny. And it's funny you mention that because when I went to Star Wars Celebration, I never like I knew it, but I didn't really know it. So one of the the pieces that was uh, on on display there were the different costumes used throughout the original trilogy movies and each movie had a different costume for vader based on that based on mobility and movement because in hmm. a new hope it was it's 
you know, you look at, like, when you look at it on the film, you don't really notice it, but when you stand there and you kind of can, you can get up close and look at all this, you're right, it's, it's very bulky, um, and you can tell that the leather was very thick, you know, the, the padding and so forth, so movement-wise, uh, David Prowse, who was the guy behind the mask, you know, had very little movement, by the time you get to Return of the Jedi and you look at the Darth Vader costume from there, it's, it's a lot thinner, the, the sure. armor plating isn't as thick. The the um, the the actual cloth, the the fabric isn't as thick as well. So it was a, a, a lot better movement, and so the, I guess that's why they were able to expand the lightsaber uh, battles for. Return oh of yeah, that, you know, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, even think about like Batman '89 to like right. Batman Returns, etc. You know, like you mm-hmm. know, being able to move it all and you know michael keaton even talking about how much the suit weighed it was like yeah i forgot what, it wasn't like 87 pounds or yeah, something ridiculous like that uh-huh. yeah so um yeah i mean so it completely you know makes sense but no you, you raise a good point there with the uh just the battles and and the type of battles which is probably what really at least for me drew me into return of the jedi when I was a kid between like, you know, the Ewoks and Jabba and then the awesome fights, all the action, but then, you know, growing like older and understanding more then really understanding more of the actual storyline, I think. Right. Um, and so looking at it back now, I still put return of the Jedi. Number one, a new hope number two and empire strikes back number three. And I know that like, I'll get like criticism on that and it's nothing. I'm not saying empire strikes back is absolutely horrible or anything, but it was too, to me, it was too story driven, not enough action for me. And that's, I I understand it's, and and I'm just being nitpicky over this and stuff like that. Um, but to me, what I remember about Star Wars as a kid and what that, that true love for me is, is watching those lightsaber battles and falling in love with those space battles. I think as I've watched probably the both Death Star battles probably over like 200, 300 times. I just literally, you know, go to those scenes right there and just watch those and have that, you know, dream as of, a, of a kid, you know, being in an X-Wing you know, and flying around and taking out oh, yeah. TIE fighters and stuff like that. And I was able, you know, to do all that when I was a kid with playing X-Wing on PC and then TIE fighter and then doing all the stuff with the battlefront and everything. So I would, I would put Return of the Jedi, A New Hope, and then Empire Strikes Back. Not saying anything is about Empire Strikes Back is horrible because I would watch Empire Strikes Back over the prequels. Um, and so prequels wise, I would put... Phantom Menace, number one, Revenge of the Sith, number two, and Attack of the Clones, number three. And that number three means that I wouldn't, like, I, like, I can honestly skip over Attack of the Clones. There's nothing about Attack of the Clones that I would be like, oh my gosh, I have to sit down and watch. There's nothing in that movie. But at Now, least... see, I would, do, I would do Revenge of the Sith, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the same way, like, Attack of the Clones, I, I'm fine without right seeing that um revenge of the sith i think more for the lightsaber the battle storyline the lightsaber battle and i really like seeing the actual like i was always curious to what that transformation was going to be into darth vader yeah 
Um, so because of that, I, I, I like that part. Um, <clears throat> but for Phantom Menace, I, I honestly could do without kind of large chunks of it. But the Darth Maul scene at the end going on at the same time as the space battle was like, that was the best part of the movie. For Without me. a doubt. Like, and that's 20, what I, 30 minutes. Yeah. And that's what I, I put. That's basically the reason why I put Phantom Menace number one of the prequels is because of that lightsaber uh, battle right there. Cause what was I? I was freshman in high school when, uh, when yeah. it came out and yep. literally like, I didn't care. Like, I remember sitting in the in the movie and I was like, you know, this isn't too bad and stuff. And then the first time you see Maul attack Qui-Gon on Tatooine, I'm like, holy smokes, this is a different type of Star Wars. Because, you know, we were so used to the, the fencing style of lightsaber sure, battles. right, yeah. Like, you, Ray Park, in, who played Darth Maul, basically saved the franchise, uh, I think, um, with that, with him portraying you know Darth Maul and being able to make lightsaber battles just more than just fencing and you know I mean, have a a flow to it I remember when the trailer first came out and you know there's huge buzz anyways cuz Star Wars was back for the first time in you know years and I remember seeing Darth Maul I was like oh he looks awesome and then it was that scene when he's holding out the lightsaber and like the red side comes out. You're like, oh, that's awesome. And then the other side comes out and people lost their freaking mind. You right. know what I mean? Yes. When it was the double sided lightsaber. That was oh beautiful. man, that was so awesome. I remember searching and just the the music that goes along with it too. Oh, the duel of the fates. Just, yes. Yes, just so Iconic. well done. I was, but then I was actually really pissed. At the end, and that may be another reason why it goes number two, it, when Darth Maul died. Like right. I, I think honestly, if Darth Maul—I mean, this is obviously hypothetical—but if he was in Attack of the Clones, it would have made it more worthwhile for me. I agree. And I think for a lot of people. Honestly. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree to that. If you had not killed off Darth Maul and made him the antagonist in the next two films up to Revenge of the Sith, and not had Count Dooku in there, yeah, it would have been. You know, you could have had, still had Count Dooku some way, somehow, yeah. as the the manipulator for creating the clones and you know, and the, creating the Death Star. But to be the main antagonist against Obi Wan, I think would have made it a lot better. Um, yeah, I would have rather had because I think Dooku had you know a fairly important role, and especially you know, it it showed a lot of the severity later when Anakin like cuts his head off for the Emperor. You know, yeah, but um. I think I would have used Darth Maul in, in, instead of having General Grievous. Right. Yeah, it was just kind of like. Eh, See, I like Grievous. Know, so. Like, I, I, I was a, I was a fan of Grievous, and still am. I think Grievous is one of those cool. Uh, it's kind of like he's kind of like my Boba Fett of the prequels. You know, not really used a whole lot, but then when you see him, he is badass type deal. Um, so I don't know, and then I, watching Clone Wars and seeing his, like them use his character a lot more in the like first couple yeah. seasons, I was definitely you know a big fan of that. But then that that also screwed up the whole Revenge of the Sith you know timeline there because if you so Grievous is in the Clone Wars, so the cartoon show, which take place takes place in between Episode Two and Episode Three, and there are multiple times where. Obi-Wan and Anakin, like, meet, encounter 
Grievous. But then in episode three, when they save Palpatine and they're on that um, that capital ship that he has, Grievous is like, "It's finally nice to meet you, Obi Wan and Anakin. You, I, I would assume you're a lot, a lot taller or than what you, you know, than how you are perceived and stuff." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, that r- totally <laughs> ruins the whole cartoon series now and stuff." And then right, so, but yeah, I think episode one. Based off of just the lightsaber battle between Maul, Qui Gon, and Obi Wan is what makes that movie for me. I can, I'm like you. I can skip over the majority of the parts of it, um, all the Jar Jar Binks scenes and everything, that, and oh, just go straight to gosh. that. And then I still think that is still my favorite scene, fight scene in Star Wars history. And I'm also a fan of Liam Neeson's Qui Gon. I like the his yeah. style. Uh, but then. Revenge of the Sith, I'm kind of like you. I like the storyline. I like that kind of, we finally see the entire manipulation, the process play out um, of how Anakin turns into Darth Vader. And the the lightsaber scene, you know, battle scene between Anakin and, and Obi-Wan was good, but I thought it was, it was too over the top. If you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, it's all the well, jumping like around, ju- like jumping from lava, yeah. jumping off, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I thought I, I get it and I understand it and stuff, but at the same time, I was like, the the way how the lightsaber battle between it, Darth Maul and Obi Wan and Qui Gon was filmed is that you had your CGI for the background scenes, but almost everything else was done you know, in front of camera. There was no CGI for the actual lightsaber movement. And then... Well, and there, there's there's simplicity to yes. the lightsaber scenes, not only in in the pre... Well, at least in Phantom Menace, um, in the original series, but it's this one-on-one because that's the focus. Right. You know, like, that's what, that's what your focus is on. And even with... Um, um, you know, in Phantom Menace, it was the same way. Like, yeah, there was the background or whatever, but still, like, the like nothing was moving. The focus was on the three individuals, and then, um, you know, with, with Revenge of the Sith, it's just kind of like you're talking about. You had this like the lightsaber battle, but then you had like lava everywhere, and you had stuff falling, and then they were jumping on certain things, and so it, it almost took the focus off of that. Right, oh, I agree. So kind of so, kind of jumping into this, how would you rank the lightsaber battles from all six films? Oh wow! Um, okay. Hmm. So I think I'm going to have to put the lightsaber battle with Luke and Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi number one first. Because it's Luke and Darth Vader. It, it was that final, like, climatic, you know, climatic yeah. type event that everybody was waiting yeah. for. <clears throat> um, two would be Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, and um, Obi-Wan. Uh, three would probably be when... Luke gets his hand cut off. And the big and then, reveal. Yeah. yeah, and then four would probably be um, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, I think. Yeah. 
I what about I'm, you? Yeah, okay. like I'm pretty close with you. Um, cause uh, like, I agree. I go back and forth. I definitely enjoy the lightsaber battle with Darth Maul, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, but it's something mm-hmm. iconic. Like you said, with the Luke versus Vader and return of the Jedi, yeah. especially the scene where it's like, where Luke finally, you know, comes to terms and has to defeat his father and you see them battling it out and it's just it's so dark all you see are the lightsabers you know glowing um and green right. and red are going and it's that that kind of you know luke is advancing on vader and vader's backing up and you kind of see that it, the transition of power is you know the, the son has now become more powerful than the father that to me is right. very iconic, and it's always that scene is always like depicted on Star Wars, and so yeah, I would put that number one, Episode One's you know battle scenes, um, where it's Qui Gon, Ray Par- uh, Qui Gon, Darth Maul, and Obi Wan, definitely up there. You know, close. It's a close call for number one because that that scene choreographed it was choreographed so well by yeah, Ray Park. Absolutely. Um, three. I would go with Empire Strikes Back as well, um, just because it's it's probably the most pivotal lightsaber battle. Yeah. Because um, you have Luke not realizing he's fighting his father, gets his hand cut off, and, and then the big reveal. So, um, which is probably the most iconic scene in Star Wars history. Um, and then Revenge of the Sith lightsaber scene, lightsaber battle scene. And then the, and then Obi Wan and Darth Vader at the end. Um, but what's the funny thing is that you know that Attack of the Clones has the most time, like cl- like logged with lightsabers and most lightsabers in the movie, and no one ever appreciates that. Well, I mean, probably because like yeah, they have all the Jedi's down in the I don't know what I'm calling it, but the, the pit, pit yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and like yeah, they're all fighting. I mean, that's great and all, but I mean. The thing that made, for me at least, the lightsaber battles so um, so awesome were like how like intimate it was between the individual. You know what I mean? Like it was a focus on certain characters, right? And then the you know the rest was just kind of like, yeah, here are the Jedi's fending everybody off. And I mean, the, you know, it was cool. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I right. liked watching it, but I wouldn't consider that like this outstanding that was my favorite sort of thing more than anything i was just trying to see what color of lightsaber everybody had yeah i mean that to me like even though attack of clones had the most amount of lightsaber time and stuff it just it it was misused misplaced and i mean yeah and i mean one we're leaving out which i i guess i could add in there i mean it would still be low would have to be um um you know, Yoda, Count Dooku. Oh, I um, that one's garbage to me. Uh, so here's the thing. It was, it, it was, okay. So I agree with you that it was garbage, but what I did find that was cool about it. So when it first came out, when I first watched it, I thought it was cool because once again, like, the Yoda that we had all known was like the the puppet Yoda, right? Right. So like the old to have broken this down Yoda, Yoda, right? So mm-hmm. to have this Yoda and he like just open and then like 
starts kicking butt. That was pretty awesome, like, for what it was worth. Now, you know, he I don't think Yoda needed to, like, jump around as much as he did and, like, flip and do all that. Um, but for, for what it was worth, that's why I would still kind of put it in there, but very low, just because that was the first time anything from Yoda had ever been seen like that. Right. Oh. Yeah, to me, I, I completely forgot about it, and there's a reason why, because it was garbage to me. Um, <laughs> right. Because even, the, remember beforehand, it's Obi-Wan and Anakin fighting Count Dooku, and that was such garbage. Like, that was supposed to be the first yeah. time you see really Anakin go up against the Sith Lord, or like, you know, uh, the dark side, and the camera's angles that they use on it are so close up, you can't even really tell, like, what's going on, and I was so pissed about that, like... You right. know, because he, he gets Obi-Wan's lightsaber and it's, you know, he's double lightsabered against Dooku's, you know, double lightsaber or his uh, his lightsaber as well. And it was complete garbage. And then he gets his arm cut off. And it's like, so that's how you get your arm cut off. That's because of Count Dooku and because you're an idiot. I didn't buy that. Right. Like, And then Yoda. I, it was cool to see Yoda with a lightsaber. But like you said, all that jumping around and stuff. I actually preferred if we're going to put a Yoda in there. Um, even though it's not great, Yoda versus Darth Sidious or Palpatine. Um, yeah, yeah. In Revenge of the Sith. But I even don't even consider that a lightsaber battle because the in Revenge of the Sith, when you see Mace Windu walk up with four other Jedi, and then Palpatine is like, oh, you're not going to get me? And he does that weird, awkward, flying twist oh, thing twisty thing and yeah. then if you watch it it's like the most simplest moves he does and he kills four jedi like that like you're supposed to be a jedi master and you just let the old man just like stab you right in front of you right no, no reaction whatsoever yeah it's though those were that's where i think they missed out on having ray park on set to help out with those seasons. oh yeah absolutely those were horrible absolutely garbage so um, all right, going from lightsaber battles to space battles or general battles, which one was your favorite? We'll just do it that way since there were so many. Oh man, um, I mean the battle for Hoth is up there, but yes, I, I, there's there. I mean it is. I still think I. See, it's tough. I still think I prefer space battles, but something about that Battle of Hoth is so awesome. I just that I've first time you see the ATAT -AT walkers, you know, oh, yeah. that was so cool. Yeah, and then eventually, you know, when it wraps, um, you know, around the cord, like around its legs, and, yep, like, so and trips it so up. awesome to me. Yeah, I gosh, yeah. So that's, I mean, that has to be up there. Um, Man, that's that's tough for me. I think, like you've said, I think Return of the Jedi has the the best space battle. Um, just because, like I said, nothing really against anything with the New Hope. Um, but like you said, it was just kind of the Tie Fighters. Um, you know, going to, uh, you know, in order to release. Uh, the missile onto the Death Star and whatnot. Right. So I'd probably have to go. I'd probably have to go return. 
um, Empire, A New Hope, in that order for space battles. Okay. Or battles, I guess. So Death Star 2, Battle of Hoth, and then Death Star 1. Yeah. Yeah. And then none of the prequel ones made, made your list. Uh, um, well, you know what? Actually, the um, Phantom Menace space battle was... Um, it was all right. Oh, it was garbage um, for me. I could not. <laughs> the, the... Um, I mean, I thought it was okay. I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't know. I just. I tell you which, main one re... which one that's really yeah, cool um, that doesn't get a lot of love. I mean, I'm not saying it's better than the Death Star Battles um, is in Revenge of the Sith at the very opening of the movie. You're uh, the the screenshot of it. Even though it's not a long space battle, it's more about Anakin and Obi Wan trying to find Palpatine. You see them coming in on their Jedi starfighters, and they're flying above a uh, a, a capital ship. And as you get closer to the edge, and then they turn and they dive down. Then you see this massive battle that's going on above. Uh, what was a Coruscant at that time? And stuff. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to me, that that was really cool. Um, you know, just the the way it opened up, and then how massive the battles were, and um, you know that it it kind of got a little goofy there when they let those like droids, uh, those mini droids, like start taking over, uh, and uh, they land on Obi Wan's ship and stuff, and start tearing it oh, to pieces yeah. and stuff like that. It kind of got a little goofy there, but. To me, that was out of the prequel ones. That was one of the cool scenes to look at, or visually wise, had really cool, um, yeah, aspects to it. But I'm with you. I I think Death Star Two, right behind it, really close. For, you know, is uh, the Battle of Hoth with the ATAT walkers, and then yeah. Death Star, the first one. Yep. So. Alright, now, getting a little nostalgic here. What was your favorite Star Wars toy growing up? Oh, man. Um, Like, are we talking toy as in, like, the original series or later on when the prequels came out? What's been your favorite (laughs) toy so far that Um, that you've bought? Because, I mean, like, a okay. life-size X-Wing would be my favorite toy, but I, there's no way I can't right, afford that. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, it wasn't mine, but my cousin had it, was the Millennium Falcon. Um, and whenever I would go to my cousin's house, I like that would be my go-to. Like the, to the, put the, the big-scale one where you could put the action figures in? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, like, you could open up the different compartments and, like, put them in there and everything? Right. Absolutely. So there was that, and then um, when the prequels came out, I got a double-sided lightsaber, which I still have. Um, and that, and, you know, having that was just awesome. I may or may not have, you know, chased my sister with that a couple <laughs> times, but whatever. You know what's yeah, so, so funny the, about the double-bladed lightsaber is how Ray Park made it so easy to manipulate and run around, like, like tw- twirl around and everything, and I had one as well, oh, and I kept on hitting myself in, like, the head and stuff like that. I was like, man, if this was real-life oh, lightsaber, I would have killed myself. I'd be no screwed. Time. Yeah, yeah. and I would drop it and just, yep. yeah, it was never really, yeah. It, it's never as easy as it looks. Um, 
for me, I'm uh, so I had the I had the Millennium Falcon, I had the Tie Fighter, I had the X Wing, so and a couple of the action figures. So yeah, definitely the Millennium Falcon was up there, um, you know, as one of my favorite toys to play with. That thing, I think I spent, um, you know, hours upon hours you know, playing around with, you know, making fun of my sister playing with Barbie dolls and in her little Barbie house and stuff like that. And then here I am sitting in my room playing with the Millennium Falcon opened up and everything that definitely. Right. And, and then like have, running around my house with the TIE fighter and, and X-Wing simulating battles and stuff. Um, but as a kid, when I was a little kid, I remember this. So when mid eighties around there, um, when the Star Wars trilogy was being re-released in theaters in the mid '80s, once again, you know, how it's like I think it's been re-released now six or seven times. Um, but one of the first times they were re-released, uh, Toys R Us had lightsabers that were, you know, basically plastic tubes, but the holes that they like crafted into them is when you swung them around it made that whoosh sound you know oh yeah like that so my dad bought me like a darth vader one and i swear to god that's all i did was walk around my house just i remember that that. yeah Yeah. it's funny i remember that now yeah it's it's like the way the acoustics were cut like they cut holes into it so that like the acoustics would make it have that sound to it and you go whoom whoom around and stuff and i just fell in love with that and i had a red darth vader one and i kicked myself in the butt every single day i somehow lost it or threw it away or something like that. right yeah oh yeah i remember those wow yeah it was my dad i i, I it was i was a young kid and i don't remember when you know it came out but my dad told me it was they re-released the original trilogies and you had to go to Toys R Us to get it, and it was a special, you know, type, you know, toy that only Toys R Us had, and it was the lightsabers, and they made that sound, and so, you know, Hasbro has that, uh, the Black Series lightsabers that, you know, you press the button, and it lights up, and it gets all the sound and everything like that, but back in the 80s, we didn't have all that luxury item, so. Right. <laughs> yeah, but to me, that was, that and the Millennium Falcon, like you said, were my two favorite Star Wars toys. And it's funny because I still have a ton of them. I still have a lot of the... From the the originals, uh, shoot, I probably, you know, have a good set, but they're all open. But from the prequels, yeah. I have them still, like, in package and stuff. I, I could never bring myself to open them. Yeah. So. All right, and then... Last thing, Star Wars day wise, do you have a favorite video game? Since there's been so uh, many Star Wars video games. So, I remember having one for my, oh my gosh, for my like desktop computer, uh-huh. right? This thing, oh my gosh, I forget the name of it, but it was like in DOS mode, right? Right. And um, you were, I mean, it was extremely basic. Like you were a TIE fighter, right? And just like, you know, going up against um, uh, the enemy. And I mean, it was extremely basic, but I just remember playing the crap out of it when I was a kid. 
because like I like actually felt like I was flying a Tie Fighter. Oh yeah, it's, that, <laughs> you know, it, you, it, you want to know the name of that game? TIE yeah, F- what was it? Tie Fighter. Oh well, there Star, we go. <laughs> Star Wars Tie Fighter. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They came out with Star Wars X Wing, and that was the first. That was the first DOS PC game. You know, in the in the '90s when it was like Windows 3.1. Um, yeah. That was such a hit that they did a, uh, the Empire version of it, which basically all they did, which you know, I never paid attention to it, but it were they were the same exact missions, but they just redid yeah. the they re-edited the the cutscenes to be Empire people, and they just redid the um, the the cockpit to be more Tie Fighter like, and just all they did was literally flip the game over from X Wing to Tie Fighter, and that actually ended up becoming more popular than X Wing. When it came out. Wow. Yep. And then that was such a hit. They did a third one, which was called X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, which is basically both games just put together. And just they beefed up the, the graphics for it. And once you know, I was the idiot who bought all three. They were like $40 well, a pop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was like, I got like, to have this. I have to have this. And yeah. little did I know that they were the same exact games just being redesigned a little bit. To That's hilarious and i'm sitting here playing you know, all three like oh this is the best thing ever and now you're like wait a second oh, like, <laughs> uh you don't want to know what my least favorite was was the original nintendo uh game of star wars that oh thing that was, was difficult so freaking hard it it was it it may have been one of my like nintendo rage games where like you would lose your mind playing it yes that was kind of one of the ones for me yeah, definitely. You know, I, yeah, I, I'm definitely with you on that one. That was one of the most difficult ones on there, and I remember probably, I think I threw my controller like f- at least four or five times at the TV. Oh, absolutely. Getting pissed yep. off at that one, because it, it used to get me all the time. It was right at the beginning of the game. The damn uh, Tusken Raider Jawa sh- things that you had to do against um, with Luke or whatever. You had a black. I could never just get rid of him. And stuff. I was so yeah, pissed. No. And then, way back in the day, in the nineties, early nineties, I had this Sega Game Gear because I didn't want to get a Game Boy like everybody else. So I got the Game uh-huh. Gear, and I got Star Wars uh, for that. Uh, that was the only game I bought for Game Gear. I paid, I saved up my money for a Game Gear, and it was two hundred bucks at the time, and I only bought one game for it, and it was Star Wars. And, That's funny. Yeah, and it, all it was was an exact copy of the Sega Genesis game uh, with just cheaper graphics and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was an idiot back in the day. Uh, uh, weren't we all? Yep. But I played that. But no, I'm with you. Um, the old school DOS, X-Wing, TIE Fighter, sim- like flight simulator games, um, without a doubt to me, I spent countless upon countless hours playing those games. And deprive my sister of learning how to use a computer because every single time she wanted to get on the computer <laughs> yeah. I was like nope gotta get on and play tie fighter nope gotta get on and play x-wing and so oh my god she's like isn't that the same game <laughs> yeah you know, i'm like no it's not it's completely different <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about and then 15 years later i'm like oh yeah i'm the dumbass yeah it was the same game <laughs> yeah exactly the same game so well, that's a that's a good nostalgic run through Star Wars. You know, uh, it's not every single day you get to go back and talk about Star Wars. Just maybe once a month and stuff. Um, but you know, think about it. 
after 2019, we'll have it. We would have had our our new trilogy out with Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and then whatever Episode Nine will be titled. We'll have Rogue One, a Han Solo film, another film yet to be determined, you know, in production by that time in 2019, and then supposedly the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, says that we're going to get Star Wars for another 15, 20 years. Wow. So, literally, something that my parent, you know, my dad, who didn't grow up with it because he was, you know, is late, let's see, 77, so that was when A New Hope came out. So, he was in his late, he was in his 20s when I came Mm -hmm. out. So, say, you know, so something that, that, you know, for the most part, and it's going to live on till 2027, you know, to, for yeah. the most part. Think about that. That's crazy. So it's like James Bond. You yes, know? Like... yes, very similar to that. I could, that everybody's going to have their favorite, you know, character version of, you know, of Star Wars Saga. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, it's it's um, it's crazy to think about that in 1983, that was the you know Return of the Jedi, and then we didn't get another Star Wars film until 1997. You know, well, you know, yeah. almost you know 15 years afterwards, and then all of a sudden it just picks right back up. You know, and we're in we're gonna have a Star Wars. We're gonna have multiple Star Wars theme parks. You know. It's unbelievable. Yep. What is he got? All right, let's get into the the coup de gras of you know of our podcast here. The, your favorite topics to talk talk about, especially with Arrow, because um, you and I texted back and forth to that, and you had some lovely things to say. So oh. let's go with Gotham first, because Gotham, you know, you and I basically agreed upon this is that after this week's episode. I have no idea what the hell is going on. I'm just completely confused. Like, I literally... I can't keep up with this, the amount of storylines that are going on right now. Uh, like, I have to literally pause, take notes, and say, okay, this person's doing this, this person's doing this, Enigma's going after this person, Penguin's doing this to this person, and then we got Barbara doing this to this person. Where's Bruce at? Where's the Court of Owls at? Okay, there... Boom. I am dumbfounded by this show. It literally got, well, like on steroids super fast yeah and i mean the thing is they they have such short storylines and some of them could be really good i literally think they could do a show just on enigma yeah and they end up it's almost like they have little many separate shows inside of one season without a doubt okay let's Let's think of this. So we've had the Mad Hatter storyline, right? <clears throat> and we've had the Barnes storyline. We've had the Nigma running for mayor. Or I'm sorry, um, Cobblepot running for mayor. Nigma coming on board. Then those two were in love, or well, you know, Cobblepot was in love with them. And then. Uh, you know, Nigma kills Cobblepot, then Cobblepot's back, then you have Selena's mom comes in, and then Selena's mom is gone. It started with the Court Owls. You have Bruce's doppelganger. Then they were gone. 
Then they came back. <laughs> See, you've they, already lost I mean, me now. Like you literally lost. Like I, I'm like shit. Where am I? And I'm now? and I'm not even and I'm not even done. Like yeah. I'm not even done. You know what I mean? It's just like what like so many different things are happening. Like try to imagine the same time. Get someone to watch the show right now. How confused would <sighs> be? Yeah, and, and I mean, even with his uncle Frank, you know, Uncle Frank came on. It was supposed to be this big reveal, and then Uncle Frank's dead. Yep. It's just like, oh, Mario Falcone, remember that? Like yep. that dead. happened. It's just like, what is going on? Yeah. I just, I feel like they can't figure out what they want to do with the show. Oh, I agree. Yeah, like without a doubt, like I thought for sure after season two, when it, you know, when they kind of turn the show more about the villains and less about uh, Gordon and and Bruce, that we were going to get these long story arcs of like the development of Penguin, the development of Nigma, yeah. Catwoman, you know, and some of the, the lesser known um, villains would, you know, would have a, a lengthier, like Mario Falcone, um, the Mad Hatter, you know, type deal. They would have these long, drawn-out story arcs that would have shown how they developed into the characters that they were, you know, we know them as. And it seemed like it was going on in season two, and then it oh, se- yeah. the beginning of season three, it seemed like we were doing that, and then all of a sudden, after the the mid-season finale in January, whatever, yeah. and count it, now it's just like screw this, we're just gonna start wrapping things up because it almost seems like the writers know there's not gonna be a season four. They, they've been told or they're like they said the odds of you guys getting picked up for another season are slim to none so you better start wrapping some shit up well you know I, I think like you said with season two they did such a good job with you know the Indian Hill and Hugo Strange right um, concept was the overlying um, you know kind of story arc and even though that you know it, it was it was present in almost every episode and yeah you would have other focuses like Nygma or these other things so that was still the focus where like with this it started off as the court and then that changed real quick and then the focus the main focus was like Nygma for mayor then it went back and it's just like you know it throws everything else off right like think about it season two you had Hugo Strange um that was the main storyline for that the semi rise of penguin not full yet because he doesn't become you know uh like his the mayor until season three same thing with nigma like nigma's going through that you know the 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 twist and you know in the psych like psychoticness that he is um and it really just focused on those three like season one was falcone and, and maroney yeah and maroney and it kind of, in Fal and what Maroni was killed at the end of season one, and Falcone was around in season two, but then leaves at the end of season two. So that was kind of the end of his arc. But now there's just so many characters. It's like, damn, I don't know who to keep part of. I don't even know who Jim Gordon's sleeping with right now. Like that's how confused I am. You know? Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like I said, there's too many moving parts right now. I think. Yeah. So we got. I think there's. Six episodes left of Gotham. I'm gonna check real quick, um, but yeah, it's uh, if 
if they're if the writers know without a doubt they're done, then you know basically. Right, they're trying to get it all in. Yeah. Right, they're trying to get everything in. Um. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yep, six episodes left. Whew. Good luck on that one. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... And then the Jerome storyline, too. Is oh, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's another one. Is that over with? Or are we going to get that back? Yeah. And what was the point? I mean, it was a cool storyline, don't get me wrong, but, like, in the overall scheme of it now, looking at it, like, what was the point, you know? Right, exactly. So, Gotham, if you do come back, you're going to have to make a little couple changes. If you don't come back, it was good while it lasted. I mean, season two was 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 pretty good. Season three started out decent. The end of season three, ooh, had... All over the place. Yeah, it was yeah, well all over the place, you know. Um, so, all right, Flash. Let's just talk about it briefly because the this literally this is another show that's gotten me like, like what the hell is going on now? All right, so Savitar. We've been waiting for the big reveal, and I think you and I both agree that the writers took too long this year or this season revealing yeah, who Savitar to get was there. to get that yep. big shock and awe and stuff. And were you disappointed in the reveal? But not necessarily the reveal that it was Barry. Oh, spoilers if you haven't seen it. But oh well, too late. Um, that it was future yeah. Barry. Um, but were see here's where I was a little com- disappointed is that with Zoom it was a great reveal. The way how everything played itself out. Um. With Reverse Flash, same thing, okay? This one, though, like, the way that they, that Barry finally figured it out just was complete idiocracy to me. He's sitting there talking with Iris and Joe, and all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute, let me put all these, you know, little fragments together, and then he figures it out. Like, it didn't, it didn't work for me. I don't know. What about you? What did you think? Yeah, you know, I I would have to agree. I think um, the reveals prior in the past seasons have, have been good and kind of kept that anticipation. Um, I feel like last year with Zoom, I feel like it was released a lot earlier, wasn't it? Well, I think uh, it was it was released, not necessarily, it wasn't released earlier, or it was kind of a... Mm, it was definitely earlier than this season. Yeah. But it was it was definitely later in the season, but everybody had figured it out because of the oh, the, right. the the clues that they were leaving cuz remember um when they cuz they remember they thought Zoom was you know was Jay Garrick and he was you know Flash from another earth. Yeah. And then we get the doppelganger, and he's like, no, that's not my doppelganger. His name's Hunter Zolomon. And we're like, that's who, you know, he's Hunter Zolomon from another Earth. And that's it, right. Yep. And it was kind of like, as a, as as fans watching it, we were figuring it out as, at the same time, you know, the, the actual 
cast was figuring it out, you know, or the, the characters were figuring out, like Barry and, and Iris and, and Caitlin and stuff, is like, there were little drops, and it, each week we were like, yeah, it's gotta be this, it's gotta be this, it's, and then it finally it was like, it was confirmed that he was Hunter Zolomon, and he had captured Jay Garrick from another Earth and everything, and took over his persona. Uh, with Zoom... I mean, with a reverse flash, that was the 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 mind blowing one. How? Because remember, you had Wells, but it was really Eobor Thawne who had taken over Wells's body, and then he was able to do the the split, you know, where he could be in two places at one time type deal. That just to me was pure genius. Yeah, and with this. You know, we kind of talked about it last week when there seemed to be the reveal, or, you know, Caitlin or Killer Frost, excuse me, um, saw who it was. We thought, well, maybe it was Ronnie, maybe it was Julian, Eddie Thawne, yeah. and it, yeah, Julian, whoever. And I, you, if you remember, you said it a while back. Two yep. ago, yeah, I said it a while back just because th- there was a storyline at one point. Um, in the comics where that had happened and a future Barry tried to come back and, you know, ch- chained the past by taking the past fl- or past flash out of it. Right. And, you know, cause I, I'd kind of seen some of that, like it said that he created him. Like he kept saying he created him. And I was like, you know, that, that seems like, it, uh, almost a decision that Barry made in order for Savitar to quote unquote be created and that he was stuck in the speed force because another flash in the timeline somewhere like figured that out that, you know what I mean? Right. But what I still can't figure out is why future flash would kill Iris. That's what I can't figure out. I mean, it's weird. It seems like it stems all from that that one message um, that he sent to oh to yeah me, uh, to yeah um, to the legends, you know, the legends, yeah, and how he could you can't trust him. He's gonna make you know he's gonna make a bad decision, and he's gonna you know he won't be able to be trusted in the future. And so I think that is what's gonna ultimately lead that Barry to go and some people were saying you know that being stuck in the in the time um in the speed force and witnessing the the traumatic event that he watches over and over and over again that basically it sets it up to being this you know you're just filled with hate and anger you know and that's what some people believe is going to happen to Jay Garrick if they do ever get him out of the speed force and stuff um that he'll end up being evil as well. Mm, yeah. Um, I'm just wondering how he got his face burned. Um, yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. I... Yeah. I wonder if that has to deal with, um, cause I, kn- I know that we're going to see captain cold again, one more time before the end of the season. I wonder if that's cold who hits present day Barry or something like that, you know, I don't know. And yeah, it scars him like that. Yeah, you know, so, but it it was. Were you were you disappointed when you saw that it was Barry? A little bit. Or I future was. Barry. Yeah, I think it would have been better played out if it was Ronnie, and it would have yeah. kind of. 
it would have probably brought the arc of the storyline from season one a little bit, you know, better and closure wise, you know, whatever happened to Ronnie, you know, when he went up into that wormhole, it could have been simple as he got sucked into the speed force and into that moment in time where, you know, he witnesses over and over again and that was his way to get out. So who knows? I mean, once we do find out the story of why future, future Barry, because we've already seen Future Barry and be all depressed, but then yeah, the t- but then the timeline gets affected because Barry once again messes with the damn timeline after he's told multiple times don't mess with the timeline, and so Future Barry now has got Team Flashback together working. So does that affect the whole Savitar situation? Like that doesn't, or was it always mm, yeah, played out point. that way? Yeah, I, see, that's the thing with this season is I feel like. And now that current Barry uh, knows who Savitar is, does that now mean future Barry knows who Savitar is? That the one that was like, I don't even uh, know who yeah. he is, you know. Like that doesn't make Wait. sense. That's why the Ronnie thing would have made so much more sense. Well, I, like I said, I think this year they're confusing people, especially like the kind of maybe people who are um, just kind of like your average followers, like don't yes. know much about the comics or anything just because, <clears throat> you know, it started off the season with flashpoint. It's like, okay, you know, which was fine and cool and reflective of the comic, but then they're going back to the past again and then they're going to the future and then they're changing this and then they're changing that. I think for some people, they're just like, what is happening right now? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, hell, I am. I mean, I'm like, between Gotham and Flash, I'm just like, I have no no clue what the hell's going on. Like, I, I've yeah, lost. Yeah, I feel them. like across the board for a lot of the comic movies, Gotham, Flash, Arrow, there have been huge consistency issues this well, year. Just Arrow, we can point out. We know exactly what's wrong with Arrow. You've said it multiple times. There's yeah. too many characters in that in that perspective, and there's too many damn storylines going on there. Well, but not if, only that, but they, they misused the flashbacks, and if they wanted to develop, if they honestly wanted to develop the secondary support characters, they should have used that time where they were using some of the Russia flashbacks. Right. Um, or don't have the characters and have the flashbacks, like one or the other. Right. But so what they've done is they've tried to take episodes to develop those characters, which then, you know, messes up the balance of everything else because you have a couple episodes that are really strong, then all of a sudden a random episode about one of the characters. Right. And it just. Yeah. So let's just jump into that with Arrow, because I mean, basically, Flash is Flash. It's we. It was just. It it wasn't really anything to that episode. It was the big reveal. I thought it was lackluster, you know. And it's going to be a a hell of a three or four episodes to figure out how the writers are going to loop it all back together. Um, But Arrow wise, this week's episode was another major disappointment, and you were you were definitely vocal about that. I swear to God, if we get another season of Oliver and Felicity debating whether they should be married or not, I'm going to shoot an arrow in my foot. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Do it. Um, you, know, you know, I, I wrote 
you know, my article about it, and I actually didn't have a ton to write. And, you know, I, I was texting with you last night, and uh, one of the guys in the comments, um, he usually comments, and his name is Kronx. He's really good. I always has a lot of good comments, and, like, I understood what he was saying. You know, he was talking about um, that, you know, a lot of this, like, yeah, it was Alicity, but it was also more of the kind of emotional and Oliver realizing, like, you know, who he is and, and what he needs and that he's not this monster and this and that, which I get, but, like... <sighs> How many times do we need an episode like that? Yeah, and it just... The the thing that I've heard from people is it's like, well, you know, Oliver doesn't, you know, need the costume. But here's the thing. He he does. it. Yes. That's like... That is like... Okay, for instance, if we were to watch Flash... And Flash episodes went two months without having the Flash costume. People would have an issue with it. Well, that's uh, Be- because it makes about... the hero. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and you know, it's a funny thing that people that you mention that because people bitch about the Christopher Nolan uh, Batman trilogy because there's not enough Batman in it. So, like, right. in the Dark Knight Rises, the reason why people critique it so much is because there's a grand total of 15 minutes worth of batman and they're like how do you make this a batman movie without batman being in it majority of the time you know right um and same thing with batman begins we don't even see bruce turn into batman until an hour in the movie and stuff although the nolan trilogies are great one of the biggest criticisms of that is that there's not enough batman but i mean hey I mean the the damn movie's made over a billion dollars, so I'm not gonna. Yeah, he does it. So, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I definitely agree. You can't have Green Arrow or you know a show called Arrow and not have the damn Green Arrow in it. And some of the this the storylines are so trivial. The Lila and Diggle storyline did not <laughs> need to happen. You cannot nope. tell me a man. Who walks around shooting people? Who is what's his damn code name? Um, um, Spartan. Spartan, whose main weapon, you know, is a handgun. Might have rubber bullets, if but still, he has killed the equivalent to a Slovenian army, you know, by himself. And he's gonna criticize his wife for holding questionable people hostage in black ops locations i mean come on get out of here with that you know the guy breaks out of jail the guy killed his brother and they're gonna really make it a a, like a a whole moral issue here's a moral issue i have for arrow when it comes to diggle and lila where's your damn kid at i've never seen the like parents not take care of their kids more often than this damn show Lila and Diggle Just hanging out in Argus somewhere. I guess so. They must have the best health care, like or daycare system at Argus because John Junior now you know because of Flashpoint, you know, never sees his damn mom and dad. Like I just don't get that. Like we're gonna really incorporate a storyline about. Oh my gosh, I cannot trust you because. You're running Argus and you're turning into Amanda Waller and stuff. Oh, get out of here with that. Forget that. Oh, yeah. I think for me too, it's it's more of you know, I think you may have been the one who mentioned it. It's instead of having all these extra arrow episodes. Cut it down. 
yeah, it would have been better having, let's say, 18 episodes, right. whatever, 20 episodes, and having a strong, consistent, balanced plot than just filling them for the in the sake of having episodes. Yes. It just like I was so disappointed with last night's episode. Like, well, the past was, two have been yeah, just filler I, episodes. Yep, and I, I listen. I get it. You know, you you want the emotion, this and that. But you know, something that someone had said, I was like, you know, this it was very much a soap opera last night. And they had said, well, you know, it's always had that with the secrets and the lies. And I said, yeah, you know, it has had that, but it has been balanced with the action in the story. The story you know, you look progressing. at season, you, yeah, look at seasons one and two. Yeah, it absolutely had the secrets and the lying and this and that. And that was seen usually with Oliver hiding whatever from Thea or her, his mom, anything like that. Yeah. But then he was he was out at night, you know, hunting people down, which is a lot. Yesterday there was just, I mean, here's the thing. You even had flashbacks in last night's episode. And the flashbacks were just about their relationship. I'm oh like, there's no need for that. And then, you know, like, what did he do? He shot some arrows at the door. And I, I was just like, come on. Like, it was the only good part for me of last night's episode was at the end with Chase, you know, going to the bus stop. See, um, but that pissed me off because you're telling me for two full episodes – so it was all about trying to find Chase, and then Chase ends up setting up a plot to keep Oliver in the bunker. So all he can do is get like at this point in time, he should have literally had his son captured by now. Right. I mean that amount of time, and you still haven't found his son and stuff like that, dude. Then you're you're not the the man well, that you said you were going to be and stuff like that. It, well, especially for how far ahead of the game he is, like you know what I mean. Yeah, it, like he could, like Chase can infiltrate, um, freaking, uh, shoot, I don't even remember the whatever the hacking company is. Helix, but like, he, Helix, thank you, but like he can't infiltrate like witness protection program. Without, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just, like... I, I just, I don't know. I was just really disappointed with yesterday's episode, and like I said, you know, we've gone so long without actually seeing Green Arrow. It looks like we will next week. But the other thing, like I said, you know, we you have the really sizzle three reel. Oh, you, yeah. uh, you had the sizzle reel, and they're all going to jam it into the last, I would say, two episodes out of the three. And right. it's just, once again, it's it's the, the balancing that just is often, I feel like, a good majority of the, ep- or of the um, shows that we watch right now. You know, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to balance it very well. Yeah, I mean, there's only three episodes left, and the past two episodes have not progressed at all, the storyline. So, no. basically, they should have just taken an extra two weeks off and just forget yeah. the... Like, look, you want Felicity and Oliver to get back together, then fine. Go, like, have them be together. But, you know, it, it's just, it's it's crazy. And then... So, like, this show has been, it was funny because I was talking to my wife about this. I was like, this show is the worst show for parents. So, you have Lila and Diggle who never take care of their kid. (laughs) Then you have Oliver who has a kid who puts him in witness protection. And 
still doesn't work because now his arch nemesis is going to kidnap his kid, so now he's got to save that. Then you have Lance losing both of his daughters and going through depression. Then you have Oliver and Thea losing both their parents, one to suicide and one to, you know, being stabbed by their mortal enemy of Deathstroke. And, yeah. and then you have the issue with Renee trying to get his daughter, even though he has a secret life called Wild Dog, who goes around killing people. And he's going to try <laughs> to get his... He thinks that being with his daughter is better. I mean, it's just like, wow. The, the parental guidance on this show is unbelievable. Yeah. But, yeah, there's only three episodes left, so they better ramp up the storyline fast. Yeah. I mean, I think the last two are going to be so the way that i see it kind of panning out is that from what we see next week chase will have oliver's son right there'll be a battle gonna go after him looking in that like jason hockey mask thing and he's gonna realize he needs to be green arrow again so he'll do that and go after prometheus and it won't work so then that's how he's gonna know that he needs to go get help and then that's what he's gonna do the last two episodes and then think about this: we still haven't even seen the conclusion between with uh, Talia Al Ghul. Like what? what oh happens yeah, there? that I mean that's She's gone away for two. Go. Yeah, that's gone away for two episodes, three episodes. Yep. Like shit. Well, and, and how rare has she, she? Like she's rarely been used as well. Without a doubt, it, so, I, I thought she was going to have a much bigger role. And then, you know, they had that awesome kind of. You know, torture scene with all that, and then yeah. you never see her. Same thing with Artemis. They're, yeah, Artemis the, is going to be back. It's just so. Then I feel like it's going to be jam packed with characters. Everybody gets know? five minutes. Five minutes. Uh, We're going to do Gotham style type of episodes. Where you easily could have started that, you know, the past two weeks. Without a doubt. So, yeah, it's. Well, do you still have hopes for the last? Well, I, you watched the sizzle reel and you were hyped up about it, and now you've been extremely disappointed because you watched the sizzle reel and it hasn't lived up to the hype. I didn't watch the sizzle reel and I'm still disappointed, but I don't think I have as much disappointment as you. Do you still have hope for the end of the season with three episodes left? I do, but what I worry about from what I've seen from the sizzle reel is that it won't be balanced very well and it's going to be a, a letdown based on the maybe limited involvement of some characters when first people thought it might have been more now if they do it right i think it could end really well and be awesome but with that and with the fact that there's only three episodes left and for what i saw in the sizzle reel i'm just worried it might be rushed yeah i I, i'm not from what the you've told me about the sizzle reel and what we have left I figured basically we're we're gonna be force fed a lot of this stuff and it's gonna be you know crammed down our throats. So yep. All right, really quickly because we're we're hitting up against time here. Um, let's just jump in. You know, there's a couple other shows I wanted to talk about, but we'll uh, we'll get back to them next week. WWE. All right. D- who knew Dean Ambrose would be making the most prolific statement of all time? Is that since Brock Lesnar hasn't been on the damn show since WrestleMania and doesn't bother, you know, making an appearance, 
the Intercontinental Championship has become Raw's best belt, like, title. Yeah. And without a doubt, like, that was crazy. Like, who knew that the character of Dean Ambrose would be so philosophical and stuff? Right. When everybody's arguing about the, you know, the, the damn Universal Championship, and he comes out and says, uh, guys, I hate to burst your bubble, but there is no Universal Champion when the damn champion doesn't even show up on the show. So. Right. You know. <clears throat> well, one, good point, obviously. But two, what a freaking waste of a belt. Right. Like, I don't understand why there's the rule that you have to defend it within 30 days if they're not going to follow that. Without like, a... that's the thing is, it's not even the fact that, like, at least with Goldberg, Goldberg was on the show even if he wasn't fighting. Yeah, he made his you little five-minute walk out of, you know, Goldberg – you're located across the street hey it's time for you to come out to the ring okay and does this five minute walk it speaks for two to three minutes you know does a spear jackhammer and then walks out yeah he was a better champion than brock lesnar has been so far right because we haven't even seen him so what i think will happen is this i feel like at the next raw pay-per-view which have you seen the name of it no what's the name of it? great balls of fire Oh, or balls of God. fire. So it's it's great. Like, how can you name your pay per view balls of fire? Her great balls of oh, fire. So dumb. I hope Jerry Lee Lewis oh. comes out and sings that you know, great balls of fire. Yep. That is so dumb. Anyways, um, I think that maybe Miz will light his balls on fire. No, I don't oh, know. hopefully. I feel like. You'll have a triple threat match for the Universal title, and it'll be Brock Lesnar, your boy Roman Reigns, and Braun Strowman. And I think Brock will lose it, but not by getting pinned, just by, like, the other two. But that'll be the way to get the title back on Raw without Brock Lesnar being pinned, you know, because he's the animal or whatever. But even with that, he's going to have to randomly show up before great balls of fire or whatever. (laughs) And like start this, start this really random, like, yeah, I guarantee he comes out and he'll be like, I'll fight anybody. And then like, you know, I just, it's, it's stupid. It's such a waste of a title. Like why even have it at this point? Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. What if they did a match where you had to light your opponent's balls on fire in order to win the championship? That sounds more like an Attitude Era type of thing. That would be... That would <laughs> that would break all ratings right there. Yeah, and probably some laws, but whatever. Oh, yeah, just a couple. Uh, I mean, it'd be better than the damn dumpster match that they had like two weeks ago or whatever. Oh, that! Did you feel like that right there was the biggest crock of, like that was like the worst excuse of having a dumpster out on, on yeah, the set. like I I feel like they wanted to make it kind of attitude era ish, but they did it in like a in the way that I mean, Braun Strowman fell in and how he was like he looked like he was a big kid in a kiddie pool type deal, like he just gotten thown into a kiddie pool and it's only like two feet deep and stuff. Oh. Well, and then the other one, Braun Strowman beat who, Kalisto. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, no crap. It's Braun yeah, Strowman oh, versus doubt. pretty much a cruiserweight. So, Ugh. I mean, 
it wouldn't surprise me if Roman Reigns was in the title match against Brock Lesnar since he, you know, they're trying to push him over as being the man. Yeah. After beating Undertaker and stuff and Braun Strowman being in there too would be something I could see. It just sucks because I think with Finn Balor being back, I think it he deserves that opportunity. But I don't see Finn Balor being able to, it, uh, like, I know it's, it wouldn't it's make fake. Sense it wouldn't make he, sense he, that he'd be yeah. Brock Lesnar. I know it's fake, but right. just in my mind, I couldn't come up with a way or you know for for Baylor to be, you know, which is he done with the whole demon, you know, persona? I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, I don't think so. I think it's still just he he does it during um, pay per views yeah. only. Okay, I just yeah. wasn't sure because the there was a couple rumors that he was gonna when he was gonna make his big return, he was gonna do you know the demon, and then he didn't come out that way. He's just doing. You know, regular Finn Balor club and stuff. So, yeah, I think they're keeping it for pay per views only. Yeah, so it looks like it's gonna be Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, and um, who's the the fourth uh, in that group? Bray oh, Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, yeah, in some sort of type of tag match or yeah, uh, yeah, in doing that way. How about? Um, I mean, I would love, I would love to see Bray Wyatt versus. Finn Balor demon persona. That would be cool. That right. would be cool. That and do kind of a you know house of horrors, but not an actual house because that was ridiculous. That was that, stupid. Yeah, it was. Um, and how about Jericho going over to to SmackDown now? That makes things interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought he was like going and touring with his band. So I'm like so really too. confused about. I'm really confused on what's going on. Because now he's got the damn title. Like, you know, he's got a... He's got no, he, a oh, no, he, he lost, did, lost it. He lost it the next... Uh, that SmackDown, I forgot. Shoot. Which was so weird. Like, I don't know. It was just weird because, like, he won it, and then he lost it, like, two days later. So then he should and, go back to Raw. Well, yeah, and I just... Okay, like, the thing with he and Kevin Owen, like, come on, that that's done now. Right. Like, let's move on, you know? I think they're trying to set it up for him, for um, AJ Styles, Chris Jericho matchup. Oh, uh, yeah, that would be pretty good. Because personality-wise, and, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're great with the mics, you know, type deal. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, overall, WWE is, is getting, I, I, I gotta say, it's at least getting a little better on Raw, now that Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt, you know, Seth Rollins, they're kind of finding their groove. Um, the Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman thing, I still don't understand. And then SmackDown is is, is steady. Isn't It's not great, but it's steady. Right, yeah. So I just can't wait for the next pay-per-view of Great Balls of Fire. Oh, man. They've so got to introduce something. Like, they got to have a match where somebody has to light their balls on fire. I I just I don't understand like why you'd even choose that. that oh, you make... know the Hardy Boys will do something with that. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah, light your balls on fire. So, all right, that's it for us uh, this episode. Thank you so much for listening in and listening to us. You know, just ran rave about Star Wars and all our love for you know Flash and Arrow and Gotham and. I, I promise you one of these days we're going to have some positive things to say about, you know, Arrow. It, it's it's a show that we both love. It's got to be good sometime. But this season is just, 
has been a, a major issue. And so, um, please uh, give us a if, if you have a moment, give us a ratings on iTunes and SoundCloud. Let us in, you know know what you guys think, what you want us to cover. So this has been a couple uh, comments and a couple people have tweeted at me, you know, at LRM underscore Mike, um, and you know just. We're going to start expanding the show a little bit more, getting into more of the Netflix things that you guys wanted us to talk about, especially when Defender starts rolling out and some of the other Netflix shows come out. Um, and so once uh, Flash and Arrow and Gotham hit their season ends, we're going to really kind of change the, the, the shape of the show and you know maybe branch out a little bit more into some of you guys said that you liked us when we are talking about video games and everything. So might be expanding out to there so um make sure you tune into other our other lrm podcasts um nine panel grid los fanboys is going to be uh coming back from its long hiatus uh with some new hosts along with joseph medina make sure you check out edward douglas's weekend warrior as well um and for mike and mark and lrm tv podcast it's another episode down and another episode to go next week anything to say mark Nope, thanks for listening. Alright, see you guys later. See ya. place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details